Hello, Podicumans. Brett Maddox here. In just a second, we will be starting the new episode of the Podicistas podcast, where we're going to be looking at the question about creation out of John Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism. But before we do, uh, please take a moment and go on uh, iTunes and like us and um, give us a five-star review and maybe even leave a comment there. That just helps uh, with the Apple, with iTunes and our placement in iTunes. It's very helpful there. Um, if you're not on iTunes, you can go into whatever app or whatever program you use to listen to podcast and like us there. And and more importantly than any of that is feel free to share us with your friends and family. Let people know about us and this resource of what Christians believe and why it matters. Uh, we are so thankful for you. As always, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram, at Podakesis is how you can find us. You can also send us an email um, at questions at podakesis.com. And we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any prayer concerns, we'd love to pray for you. If you have questions about what we are teaching and what we were saying, uh, please uh, send us an email or let us know on social media. Well, that's all I've got now. Let's go ahead and prepare ourselves for the next episode of the Podakesis Podcast. Again, thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy. Podicumens, and welcome to another episode of the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. Once again, we are joined by the world's leading Sasquatch hunters, Jim Morrow and Alan Kaysen. How are you guys doing? Hey, oh, I'm doing great. That's I'm right. Give a little shout out to my friend, the Reverend Chad Brooks, who might actually be a real Sasquatch hunter. Yes, I'm and tag to you in the show notes, Chad, and also. To also, Our friend, Lee Smith, yes. who yes. wants to be a Sasquatch yes. hunter. <laughs> yes. This episode has taken a strange turn before it started. <laughs> yes, it has. Absolutely. When I was a kid, hey, funny story. When I was a kid, me and my cousin Rob, we really wanted to become go out to Scotland and search for Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. Like, like We were really into that. And uh, Everybody uh, say Potokesis if you've actually been on Loch Ness. Ready? Go. Potokesis. Dang! Wow. Same trick, throwback, same trip that I met Patrick Stewart. Let's <laughs> <laughs> oh, sto- leave that hanging and wow. get on with the episode. That All story right. is just building layer upon yes. layer upon layer. And this that's is why, Potacumans, you come for this high quality theological that, content. That's exactly right. One day we're going to find out that Jim is actually knighted. So we'll. <laughs> The real question is, have you ever seen Patrick Stewart and me in the same room at the same time? Your mind is blown. Oh, my gosh. I need the mind-blown emoji. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, so here we go. When they're not hunting Sasquatch, they're here along with me going through these questions of Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism, and we're looking at question number nine uh, today. But before we get to that, uh, we just want to give one more shout-out to Dr. Justice Hunter, who was with us last episode from United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. What a great time together, and thank you, uh, Dr. Hunter, once again for joining us and just bringing bringing what you brought, and we're so excited that uh, you were able to be with us. Today, uh, we are going to be looking at question number nine in Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism, and that is, what is the work of creation? What is the work of creation? Uh, Which one of you two has the answer to that? Of course, I have the answer. Alan, of course. Uh, Yes. What is the work of creation? The answer is, the work of creation is God's making all things out of nothing. Let me start that over yeah, again. Yeah, so let's try wow. that again. <laughs> the work of creation is God making all things out of nothing by his word of power in the space of six days and all very good. Yes, very good. So the work of creation 
out of nothing by the word of his power or by the, yeah, the word of his power and the space is six days and it's all very good. So we're going to be looking at this and the scripture proofs for this uh, today come from Genesis chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 11, and Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to start with Genesis chapter 1 and I think... The good man. Let's go ahead and take it away. Yes. Uh, let me read from, because the chapter is a little longer, I invite you to you know, find it on your own. But I'm going to read uh, a couple key passages to get the flavor of how this verse informs the answer to this question. So we'll start here. In the beginning, you can In feel the Patrick the Stewart coming out. Okay, I'm kidding. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was morning, or there was evening, and there was morning the first day. I'm going to skip a few, but you'll notice as you read through that it's a beautiful, rhythmic, and at the end of each of these days, he calls creation good. Until we get into verse 26, I love this part too. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And I'll skip down, and God saw all that he made, and he saw that it was... Very good. Right. Very awesome good. stuff. That add-on of very is in, in is very important mm -hmm. there. And let's not forget that on the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing, so he rested. That's also nap, siesta. part of the seven days of creation. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about that Genesis passage um, in a little bit, but one of the things I really love about Genesis 1 is its rhythmicness, if I can oh, make beautiful. up a word. Uh, you just, it, it's got this rhythmic quality. It is, it's a poem, but some believe, some Old Testament scholars believe that it's a song, actually. Mm. Uh, and um, in fact, one of uh, C.S. Lewis. I think Lewis, Alan knows the tune, by the way. Uh, hold on Alan, just a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, not kidding, yet. Go. We'll wait till later in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Special so, feature. Um, so C.S. Lewis would actually pick up on this song quality in. The Magician's Nephew, as part of the Chronicles of Narnia series. Yes. And when Aslan the lion is creating Narnia, he's doing it through song. And what a just a beautiful image that we have here, the idea that creation came about through music, through song, oh, through beautiful. the song of the Lord. Nice. Yeah, awesome. All right, Hebrews, Alan. All right, Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And we see in that Hebrews passage, I, it's such a great thing. The power that's behind that is the Word, right? It's the mm. Word of God. It's the command of God, which speaks to this. And we'll talk about this a little bit about this question here, but the way that the phrasing of this question comes about, where it says, the answer says, the work of creation is God's making all things out of nothing by the Word of His power instead of saying it by the power of his word. And so I, us three, as we were preparing for this episode, we talked about that, about that kind of turn of phrase and what that means, and we'll probably get deeper into that in a minute. But we do see in that Hebrews passage the power of God's word to speak, and creation comes about, life comes about. The power of the word. And then Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, we get this beautiful passage here, of, of, of worship that is going on um, in the heavenly realms, in the presence of God. And we have the 24 elders who will fall down at the throne of God, and they will, they, will, they will cast their crowns down, and they will praise God, and they'll say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created." Uh, just this beautiful, powerful image of worship. And, and, and what I want to say from the outset of this episode is this. Uh, and I think I speak for Jim and, and for Alan when I say this. When we look at creation, for us, it is, we see it as an act of worship for us. 
that when we look at the created the creation story of Genesis 1, the creation story of Genesis 2, how creation comes up throughout the um, rest of Scripture, it, it draws us into an act of worship. And this is what we see happening even in the heavenly heavenly realms. I hope I haven't spoken out of turn there, there, guys. But what do you think of these scriptures? Powerful, and they're very informative. You can even see in the phrases of the answer to the question where each one comes from to help form a cohesive understanding of God's creation. Absolutely. And there's a lot of beauty in all of it that I think we can dig into as we go. And let me just say from the outset, talking about creation is exciting for a lot of reasons. One, it's awesome. It's beautiful. It has a lot to do with the grounding of our faith and who we are as God's creatures. But also, it's going to be fun to talk about some of the big issues that are out there in the culture right now. People with various views of what creation means and how is science involved and can science be involved? Uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the question itself kind of dig deeper into how it's how it comes up. So we get this we get this understanding of creation or this idea of creation that comes up. So let's just talk about what do we mean by creation? What is what are we talking about here when we talk about creation? And and let's even take it a bit further. The, one of the first things we see in this question, the answers out of this answer is he created God created out of nothing. So what are we talking about about creation and what do what does God what does it mean to create out of nothing? What do you what do you guys think about that? I think it's awesome. I think I love the idea that, that there was uh, there was nothing that um um God was there. Right. Nothing else was there. God has always been there, but God took nothing and made something. He made everything. Right. Um we see that in Genesis. Um, now the earth was formless and empty, um, and there was a there was a void. There was nothing there, um, and God God spoke creation into existence. We see the in the passage of um, of Hebrews um, <clears throat> everything that was that everything that we see was made made from what we can't see. Right. Um, yeah. Um, Man, right. So, um, <clears throat> I mean. And again, it goes, for me, it goes back to the fact, I mean, God, God, um, God created, um, God created us. Um, it, it, for me, the creation story is all about God. Yeah. It is God taking, um, something out of nothing, yeah, which is I, I, story of redemption throughout scripture, really. I mean, that, that, and that's it. And I love that. It, it's, it's about God. And, and one of the key things here is notice this creation out of nothing. He's not creating out of himself, um, which if he did, if he took you know some ancient uh, traditions, some ancient um, cosmologies, would talk about the god gods or God or um, in um, in Hinduism, Brahma or others creating from within from you know from a part or a piece of them, in, in which creation then would be divine itself because it's it's a piece of God. Now what we've got in our tradition. Here is God is speaking into the chaos. He's speaking into the, the 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 void, and creation happens out of nothing. And what that tells you is that um, God is not dependent upon creation itself. Right. Uh, God is independent from that. He's outside of that. One of the words that kind of gets thrown around in theological circles is not that God is supernatural, but that He's supranatural. He's outside of. He's outside of. The natural order, and so uh, God's creating out of nothing. Um, he, he's 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 not dependent upon creation. It is all about God, and I love that, Alan. It is about Him. It really accentuates that. And a couple other things to love about this is you mentioned into the chaos, into the void, into the nothingness. And if you pay attention to the opening stanzas of the Bible, it is absolutely rhythmic and ordered. And so God speaks order into, God speaks things in, out of nothing. He speaks order into chaos and imbues all of that with his own word. I mean, it's powerful stuff that um, God created out of nothing, order out of chaos, and all of these beautiful things. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, One of the great images that we see here is that uh, the Spirit of God hovering over the water. So God created, he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So you've got, you've got form coming to the formless. You've got, um, you've got, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You've got peace or you've got uh, order coming to the chaos. You've got this stuff happening here uh, that God, that by the power of a God's word, you have that happening. And, and right there at the beginning, you've got the spirit of God hovering over the deep or hovering over the waters and in ancient Near East cosmology, including with Judaism, or especially early Judaism, but you see this in the time of Jesus too, is that water, particularly the sea or big bodies of water, were 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 seen as being where chaos came from. That's where, where there be dragons. There, there be there there be Leviathans in those waters. Loch Ness monster. The Loch Ness monster. The Loch Ness monster is has there. Brought it full circle. See, there you yeah. done. And You're big, over. And Bigfoot is sitting on the shore <laughs> okay. on the bank with right. his fishing pole. Oh. With his fishing pole, looking for this guy. So anyway, but uh, that it was the image of of chaos itself. All right, I'm I'm going to just I'm going to skip ahead and I'm going to fast forward a little bit. If you go to the end of the Bible, you go to Revelation 21. There's this beautiful passage. It gets read at funerals a lot of time. Or, um, you know, preachers will read this at the time of death if they're in the room, if they have the honor to be in a room as someone passes from this life to, to eternal life. Then it says, uh, it says this in Genesis 20, um, Revelation 21. Um, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth hath passed away, and the sea was no more. Some translations say, and there was no sea. And if you just read that, you go... All right, no ocean in heaven, let's move on. But that's not what is being said here. What's being said here is the chaos is gone and order is here. Mm, mm, Preach, brother. You got God bring in in the end, God brings order to the chaos. And that's what he's been doing from the very from the very beginning. And that's exactly what I think I'm preaching about on Sunday now. (laughs) There you uh, go. You're welcome for your sermon. There you go. Um (laughs) So, uh, yes, uh, you, you've got God speaking into the void, God speaking into existence. He's bringing order to the chaos. Yes, Jim. And there's just uh, another piece that, that is really powerful, and, and we won't catch it unless for some reason you've read way old ancient stuff from other cultures like the Epic of Gilgamesh and some things like that. A lot of times um, other cultures were talking about the world being created um, out, not just out of a piece of themselves, but out of war. Yeah, that's right. Out of yes. battle, yes. Um, and it being a byproduct of the gods at war. Right. Well, here we have a god, very tenderly and orderly, building things and not uh, accidentally having things come by violence. Right. But by word. Right. And mm. that it. And so, if you were among the very first people to have read this poem, sung this song, or read this scripture. It would be a revolutionary way to talk about the divine and the creation of the world. Oh, so throw ab- that in there. Oh, absolutely. And let's even take it further. And now to a place where you start seeing Jesus fulfilling the created the creation event, even in his life. So it's interesting, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they talk about Jesus, particularly Matthew and Mark, I mean Matthew and Luke, you know, they'll throw in their birth narratives. Mark doesn't have one. He picks mm-hmm. it up at baptism of Jesus and moves on. But but Matthew and Luke, they have these, you know, before the baptism stories and they move on. But John has doesn't. John's birth narrative is a cosmic birth narrative. It is a it's a it's a cosmic birth narrative narrative that takes us back to Genesis one. Now what Jim just read in Genesis 1. I want you to keep that in your mind. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was a formless void, and the Spirit of God was over the deep, and all this is going on. Now hear this from John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things, here it is, all things were made through Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. What John does is he takes the themes of creation out of Genesis 1, and he literally transposes his onto Jesus. Like, this is Jesus. Jesus is bringing the light. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Here's Jesus. He was the light, the life, the light, shining in the darkness, bringing order to the chaos of our lives through going to the cross, through rising from the dead. We have this, just, uh, you see fulfillment of Genesis 1 in Jesus that gets ultimately fulfilled in Jesus coming back in Revelation. Beautiful story threading throughout all of Scripture. Well, and you beat me to it because I had it queued up. I was ready to read John 1. Um, all right, just because, take it even further well, if you want to. Because the next part of the answer is um, out of nothing by the word of his power, right. um, which um, you heard a little bit in, in Jim's reading of, G, of Genesis 1, that God speaks um, um, creation into existence. And then we carry that into Jesus being called the word. Yeah. Absolutely. And the word made flesh. Um, it is just this, um, it is God, God made everything. And we're going to get a little ahead of ourselves. God made everything very good. Adam and Eve screw everything up. Right. And Jesus has come to restore, bring light back into the darkness. Right. Because he is the word made flesh. That's God right. is the, the word is speaking uh, new creation. That's right. Into existence. That's right. That's, Bam. Thank you very that's much. That's an amen. We need an amen sound effect. I would <laughs> amen. Right now. amen. Yeah, so y'all so see, it's, it's exciting to talk about yes. creation. And if you'll notice, and as, we'll, as we move along, we'll talk more science and theory and how it relates. But if you'll notice how all of these big things hinge on creation, they don't hinge on how except for by the word. Right, right. You know, so... Um, we'll talk about that later, but you'll, I want you to just notice now how the big picture movement of redemption and new creation, uh, they occur not by talking about hours of the day. Right. So we can carry on it. That, I, I, you're absolutely yeah, right. In fact, good. let's go ahead and kind of allude to why this is important. And then we'll do that with the, big, the elephant in the room. Or you know, with the theme of the podcast this week, uh, with the Sasquatch in the room, and that is... <laughs> <laughs> now we can really be Sasquatch that, hunters. That's exactly right. And that is how do we look at that? You know, that passage in Genesis one. What is? How do we look at that, and why is it important? And as I've alluded to already, some believe, some scholars believe it was a. It, it definitely is a poem. Some believe that it is. Uh, a song. One of the things we need to know is that if you've done any rudimentary study of the Bible, you probably have heard that Genesis chapter 2 um, is an older uh, creation account than Genesis chapter 1. And you may be sitting there going, well, Genesis chapter 1 is first. How is it not, how is it, how is Genesis 2 older than chapter 1? Well, there's a couple of things here. First of all, the chapters and verses that we have in our Bibles was something that was added in the Middle Ages. The original copies, the original manuscripts, what we, the original scrolls didn't have chapters and verses and all that. Also, there were things that happened post the Babylonian exile when the Jews were coming back in that um, that were that the Jews were using as they were rebuilding the temple and getting back into kind of their 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 worshipful life and all that back in Jerusalem after Babylon that they did to tell the grand story or to, 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 to uh, codify who they were. And one of those things was, some biblical scholars believe, and I think this is right, that Genesis 1 was a post-exilic add-on to the Torah as a prologue to the Torah. This is a musical prologue, a liturgical, worshipful prologue to the five books of Moses, to the law, to the teaching of Moses, and so uh, that is um, that. That is where we're looking at here. So we got to ask ourselves: What is the big deal about the days? Day one, day two, day three, all the way through day seven. And I, I will tell you this up front about kind of how I look at it, and then Jim and Alan, y'all can jump in with other things. And that is when you look at the what's going on in Genesis one. You see from the very beginning that God is coming into nothingness, and he's, he's creating he's creating out of nothing something, filling the void, bringing order to the chaos. And you see this repetitive nature of 
God making space and then filling the space. Making space, filling the space. So like day one, he, night and day, right? God created night and day, sets it apart. But on day four, he creates the sun and the moon to fit there. Day two, he creates the waters above, the heavens, the waters below, which are the oceans. And day five, he creates the birds to rule the heavens and fish to rule the seas. He's filling it. And he tells them, animals, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the space. Fill the space. Uh, day three, he, cl- he creates land for vegetation. Um, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants and seed, uh, seed, uh, se- uh, seeds and, all, and yielding seeds and all. And on day six, A, the first part of day six, he says he creates land and animals. He, 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 he fills it, and the humanity comes in there and fills it as well. And so he's, he's creating, there's this space that he's filling. He's always filling space. He's, and that, that's a theme that you see move throughout all of the scripture. God is filling space. And, and I just, I, I love to look at it that way where you've got God, there's the space, he's filling it. Space, there's filling it. Space, there's filling it. So um, that's what we've got here. This is not a, dare I say, this is not a um, scientific textbook on, on day one, this is exactly what happened in the universe. On day two, this is exactly what happened in the universe. Yeah, so what you, one of the things they're hitting on is um, when we have an unclear understanding of what it means that the Bible is true, we can get really anxious when we come to a text in a way that the text doesn't want us to come to it. Yeah, that's right. And find our find ourselves feeling threatened on behalf of God mm. when people understand it differently. And and first, we can just say that God's handled Himself very fine for many years, yeah, and we yeah. doesn't really need our help. That's right. Um, He's a big boy; he can handle. But, it. <laughs> but the other thing is, so let me touch on just a couple of things. One. The scripture can be literally true. If you look at the word literally by the word um, and tell us things metaphorically and by simile and by imagery and by poem that, and, and we are, and we are very okay with that in a lot of places, but for some reason, people are very threatened when it comes to understanding uh, and interpreting the opening of the Bible with metaphor, poem, song, et cetera. And I think that's because of, the debate about how science fits in with the divine and some of the things that have gone on there. And people also struggle a little bit when we talk about um, putting together the text, editing together the text to receive Genesis, um, because these are called the books of Moses. And if in in some way somebody says, well, this might've been later, then does that mean that Moses didn't write it? Well, the answer is, we don't know, maybe did, but let's also understand that the Holy Spirit is in the penning of the words, the writing of the words, yes. as much as in the compiling of the words. That's exactly right. And the form in which we have now that has been handed on in this form for a long, long, long time yes. is the Spirit-inspired and Spirit-formed canon of Scripture. Yes, absolutely. So whether... God was at work through those who were uh, bringing pieces together as well as those who were originally writing is almost irrelevant because what we have handed to us and attested throughout generations is this is the inspired canon of scripture. Right. So when it comes to interpretation, one of the responsible things that we should do is say, what am I looking at? So I'm not opening John Donne or Shel Silverstein to find certain kinds of information, nor am I going to the newspaper for poetic accounts of anything. Yeah, that's what um, Sandra Richter, who was my Old Testament professor at Asbury, but now she's at, I think it's at, she's at Gordon-Conwell now, um, but she's the author of um, The Epic of Eden, which is a fantastic resource uh, for you all. That's great. Um, and she said in our class that when people ask her if she reads the Bible literally, she says, I do, for how it was written and for how it is presented to us. So if it's in poetry, you have to interpret and you have to read it as poetry. If it is in narrative form, you have to read it in narrative form. And the Bible is not just one literary genre throughout the whole thing. 
you've got over 40 authors written over a time period of about 1500 years you've got all this and then it's being compiled by different you know groups of people and only the holy spirit can take that from all people of all walks of life over that vast amount of time with all the things that happened in Israel during that time and give a common thread that we've already established from Genesis to Revelation. It works. It it holds together, and it's not some literary magic work that we preachers do to make it work together. It's there in the text. But knowing how to interpret and read is so important. That's what exactly, Jim, that's exactly, uh, I, I agree with you 100%. And the, the other thing that <clears throat> we want to be thinking about, too, is that sadly, I think a lot of people in the general public, all they know about Genesis is the creation story. Right. And they don't understand the rest of the beauty. If you were to study the book of Genesis in, in the form in which it is scripture, you would find that Genesis is not just referring to the beginning. That's what the word Genesis means, the beginning of the universe. Um, it is a book of generations. In fact, if you were to track down the genealogies in the book of Genesis, you would find that the segments of the story being told fall into neat order. You have the generations of the earth. What are the ancestors of the earth? God, who did it this way, this way, this way. Uh, then you'll have things like the generations of Adam and Eve's children, the generations of Noah, the generation of the nations. It's talking about the um, genealogy and the creation. And then it talks about, spends the majority of its time talking about the creation and the genealogy of God's people. Right. And so there are many ways, which personally, I, I would say that this, this is a way to approach it, that Genesis can be talked about, not only about the beginning of the world, but the beginning of God's passionate relationship and pursuit of people. Yeah. So oh, in, yeah. in its context, um, there's a lot more to Genesis than there, than this, though this is foundational. So he's, you know, work of creation, he's creating his people. Exactly. Um, yeah. Right, and right. not just physically, but relationally exactly. creating them. Yes, absolutely. In fact, what's very interesting is, uh, so you get the fall of humanity in Genesis three, and then right away you've got and, and, and what does he do? He kicks him out of the Garden of Eden. He goes all the way. He put he he is he puts a angel, a cherubim, right there at the entrance of the Garden of Eden. And said, "Y'all can't come back in. Not yet, anyway. You can't come back in." He does this stuff of separation, and then God does the pursuing from there. Right. God does the pursuing from there. It's interesting. He doesn't just stand back and say, "Y'all come back when you get your act together." He starts <laughs> pursuing right there the people. Uh, calling Abraham, call, and then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and you get all the way, I mean, all the way to Jesus and even beyond to the age of the church, and that God is calling his people back home. Yeah, just so much wonderful stuff there. Um, so the question would be, we've talked about this in a way um, that takes an interpretive look. That doesn't mean that it's a bad look, a wrong look, or a human look. It means right. I remember, um, and I'll keep referring to this episode for the rest of our lives. Uh, remember, Brian Russell told us, you can bring any question you want to Scripture. Right. Just be prepared for it to ask you questions in return That's right. and answer the questions it wants to answer. So, for example, did God create the world in seven days? I think absolutely the answer is yes. Yeah. Now, the question is, is what does that mean? Right, exactly. I think that is the big question. So let's go ahead. We've already done it, but let's go ahead and move into the why does it matter section, the segment. We need we need music for our segments. Dun, dun, yeah, dun. Do. Why <laughs> does it matter? Dun, dun, dun. It matters because. Anyway, <laughs> and it'll be something uh, like that or better. Well, yeah. Just record that, and that's going to be it. <laughs> that, that's Actually, be that could be it. So <laughs> in danger of talking too much, let me tell you a little bit about why it's important to think about it like this, just as a personal story. And then I'll back up and let y'all talk a little more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hugging the mic. Um, so by the I came to, to be a Christian and have really any understanding of the church at all when I was about between 15 and 16 years old um, and really had no background whatsoever. And initially, even the, reading through the Bible, the story of creation was so beautiful to me for so many ways. There's intentionality beyond creation. God says the people he created, and he created them very good. 
and before, and this is a phrase we've heard in some other circles, and before there was bad news about people, there was good news. And it's so powerful. And then almost immediately, as I jump into Christian culture, I'm kind of hit with this strong fundamental um, fundamentalist Christian understanding, uh, which I think is how most people think of Christians mm-hmm. as the as what we see in the fundamental church. It's in most of our publications, most of our um, Christian books out in the popular sphere. And it was this notion that if God, if you don't believe that God created the world in 24 literal hours, you are not a Christian. And that was very off-putting to me Mm. um, before I even knew why. And I struggled with that a lot as well as, and we won't get into it here, but the huge, huge marrying of faith and political party that happens in culture. And that was not, that was not the, the, way that I was hearing from an understanding God or even reading the scripture from an early age. And so I wrestled a lot with it and I pushed hard. In fact, you might say I had like a very uh, liberal theological swing on creation for quite a while as I, as I tried to reconcile in myself, like, look, I don't see where in the scripture that science is bad. I don't see where in history science is bad. Um, I find them to be beautifully connected. And, and now I've got the Christian culture and the people that are trying to enter into this community with are telling me that it's that you can't use your thought process and scripture at the same time. And I think a lot of people experience that. And I think that um, in the Christian culture, we see a lot of that being the most popular ways of understanding. So all that to say is through a lot of talking with wise Christians, reading and studying the scripture, I came to understand that a way within myself of coming to terms with the beautiful uh, breadth of what God has done and being able to say with certainty, the scripture is absolutely a hundred percent true. And it has more room Mm -hmm. than you think it does Mm -hmm. as well as Jesus uh, doesn't say much about having to believe in cre- a particular method of creation uh, for you to be saved. <laughs> yeah, it's not like in Romans you're sitting there going, yeah. Paul is saying, um, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that God raised him from the dead and that there is a literal seven-day evolutionary yeah. or you know, yeah. non-evolutionary. Confess, confess it with your mouth. Yeah, confess, confess it with your mouth. mouth. Yeah. And, and, and let me say that, that I have no problem with a seven, 24-hour seven day sure. creation. It's yeah, not sure. the continue part of the continuum. But the reason I wanted to say that is because these things are, it's important to not major in the minors mm, when we're right. talking to people about faith. And right. I think that if we are threatened by science, that we won't understand God's good creation because it is by, you know, people who have a scientific mind that we can really understand the great beauty right. of God's creation. And how many Christians in throughout the ages, like Isaac Newton and others, were followers oh of Jesus? You know, yeah, right. Uh, and who are Blaise Pascal, for example, a wonderful speaker into the Christian faith, mathematician and logist, logistician, uh, brought a lot into scientific, mathematic, and theological thinking. Absolutely. Um, in fact, so this 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 kind of um, war, this fake war, I'll call it that, but it is nonetheless perception being reality sometimes. It can feel like we are in one, is uh, whether faith and science are truly at war with each other. And I would just say that from a biblical point of view, the answer to that question is no. Because um, one of my favorite uh, books on this is uh, The Language of God by Francis Collins. Francis Collins is the director of the National Institute of Health, but he's a he's a sold-out believer for Jesus. He loves the Lord, and he definitely sees that um, science is the language of God. We see the fingerprints of God or the language of God in the created order around us. And so uh, I, had a, I had a friend of mine shoot me an email, uh, a text uh, just last week that said, um, can, can you believe in evolution and be a Christian at the same time? And so my answer to that question has been, it's according what you're talking about. And what oh, I mean, yeah, we don't define terms at all. We don't. We just, when we talk about this, especially when we're using it as a litmus test for things. That's exactly right. And so the answer, the way I answer this question is, if you use evolution to talk about, you know, how 
things adapt to changes around us, then that happens. You can see that. There's fossil records. There's all kinds of stuff. Viruses. There. There's vi- yeah, viruses. viruses. Yeah, viruses. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But if evolution is a philosophical, theological worldview, a lens by which you look at reality, um, look at yourself, you know, that we're just to ooze that one, there is no purpose behind us, there's nothing greater or grander, then that's where it becomes problematic. But that's a worldview issue. That's a philosophical, theological thing. That, that doesn't have really anything to do with the processes itself. The processes get used to back up a worldview and, and, and so that's where it becomes problematic, I think, um, in that. So it's according what you're talking about. I have no problem with, for example, me. I have no problem being an old earth, science-based you know, based, you know Christian. And, you know, that God uses these natural processes, because he's the author of the processes. Mm. But I understand that when it says that he created humanity out of the dust, he breathed life into them, he gave them life. That's a worldview theological point of view that says that we as humans, we're not the ooze that one. We have purpose. The ooze that one was the name of my college garage band, by the way. (laughs) And I think one side of your T-shirt needs to be old earth and the other side needs to be ooze that one. Ooze that (laughs) one, that's right. But that's it. That's the whole point there is um, we're created in the image of God, as Genesis will tell us, that there's a, we're, we're stamped with purpose and with identity from the very, very beginning. And so that's where I think the discussion needs to go, not into the weeds of is it a six-day creation or, or you know, are the, are the days literal 24 hours or are they these kind of indeterminate amounts of time? which that word yom, that's a Hebrew word, can be used on both, for both of those ways of thinking. And I'm like, Jim, I believe in a God that can create anything at the drop of a hat. So I have no problem with a six-day th- uh, creation. I don't have any problem with that. But what are we talking about when we talk about that? One, one Old Testament... Um, I'm, I, I, go ahead, Alan. Go ahead. I was, just gonna, I was just going to point people... You know, we talked about this before. Uh, William, William Lane Craig um, is a great resource... Um, he is a Christian philosopher, uh, apologist, um, and he puts the words a lot of a lot of um, beginning of creation and um, uh, debates with atheists and and uh, so I would point you guys to him and a lot of his resources and one of the things he's working on right now is trying to um, place um, Adam in you know. Um, um, in sort of timeline and where Adam, you know, and trying to sort of prove that, that Adam existed, which is really interesting, uh, which yeah. is a really interesting concept. And he's, he's using, using science and philosophy, all this other stuff. So right. um, like, I think it would be awesome for him to come up with, you know, um, right. scientific proof, but um, anyways, he's got, he's a great resource for all of this uh, cosmological uh, discussion and uh, beginning of creation. And and it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So you do not have to check your brain at the door. Exactly. And see, the thing is, and the reason we're bringing this all up now is because creation is usually the place, it's usually the battlefield of science and religion. And a lot of people are turned off to faith because it appears like, one, they're not welcome. Right. um, By if they have any, you know, belief in science. And that there's not room for them. But let me, um, let me throw a couple questions out for you. Say, for example, you know, one of the theories is the Big Bang Theory. Right. Uh, not only was it a funny television show, but some people <laughs> believe that's how the world was created. Yeah. Is there room in Scripture for that theory to be a possibility? Yeah. And I would send you back to the first two chapters or verses of the Bible sure. where there is no reason why God could not have done it that way. And. And, and can we just mention that you, you said, you, well, Bazinga, Bazinga. <laughs> but you've said um, Big Bang Theory, correct? Yes, right. that's yeah. correct. The theory of evolution, correct? That's correct. So these things that we're fighting against are theories, not proven facts. So those, even those theories are being evolved, <laughs> yeah. um, 
are evolving and changing. And so we're fighting against, you know, science, but these, these are theories, theories by nature are not proven. You know, that, that's um, a, that's a great point. And Alan. so there's a lot of, there's a lot of pent up energy and frustration mm-hmm. over things that are not, have not been considered fact. Although a lot of people use them and talk about them as if they are fact. Um, yeah. But even if they, even if they are fact, like you said, with the big bang theory, um, that Bible could back it up. There's nothing, there's nothing. Let me throw another that, weird one at you. Okay. So there's the obvious situation. I got a little fired up there. I apologize. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, The idea of, let me just say this in the Bible, it says that uh, God created humankind from the dust of the earth. Um, The Bible also says in, in, in verse 24 of chapter one, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. And it was so. And so do you see that God uses what is created to create? Mm. Oh, and yeah. so if people wanted to, you, you, you don't have to push so hard. If there is a primordial ooze, if the, I think what we would say is if that is the method by which God created, then maybe there's room for that. There's a continuum, uh, a chart that uh, I'd, we're going to put up in the show notes. Show notes. Show, show notes. notes. Go ahead and, it, and fill out your bingo cards. I'm telling you, uh, we need to get one of those bingo cards. <laughs> but it shows a whole continuum of various uh, belief systems and theories of that are based on an intelligent designer. And it shows all the way from a flat earth philosophy and theory all the way down to theistic evolution. Now, am I uh, showing one or the other as as a preferred view? Not necessarily. What I'm saying is that careful study of the scripture over time makes room for those things to be possibilities. And guess what? The Bible doesn't care to answer them for us. And that's the crux right there. Can That's the bazinga moment right bazinga. there. Bazinga! <laughs> um, and, and here's the thing. I think we as Christians need to know when to stay in our lane. And we also need to know when to stay in our biblical lane, the, the biblical lane. And that is, um, I tell people all the time, um, you know, the, one of the big questions I get asked is this. Okay, um, if you read Genesis and you see Adam and Eve, and then they have children, they have Seth, they have Cain and Abel, and then there's Seth, and um, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden there are wives for these Where people. Where did their wives come from? Where did their wives come from? And my answer to that question is, it doesn't matter. That's not what the biblical text is concerned about. The biblical text is concerned with telling us a story from how God formed, how He created, how humanity as a whole fell, and then how God's bringing about redemption. Uh, you're, you, you have this text, these texts that there is a there's a there's a story they're trying to tell to get us to a place. God's revealing something to us. There are details that just don't matter in the grand sweep of the Bible itself. I mean, is that wrong of me to say? I don't know, Pot of Cubans. Why don't you chime in and tell Brett if he's wrong? <laughs> no, yeah, if I, I think so. if I'm wrong, I, don't think I, it is, I think my pause was I was trying to come up with a story to explain it all because that would be a good story. I was just taken by your brilliance. Yes. I would say if you have any questions or you want to see where, uh, tell me where I'm wrong, you can uh, email us at questions at potakisas.com. At- <laughs> <laughs> questions at potakisas.com. No, I don't, I don't Pot-a-Kisa. think so at all. I think that, let me, from a pastoral perspective, um, yeah. in my own life, and what I've witnessed in others, at least, at least half the time that people get hung up on very, very, very specific nitpicky yeah. questions like where did the wives yeah. come from or right. what are the Nephilim in Genesis 6? Yeah. Usually that is a spiritual anxiety coming from something else and yes. about something else. Yes, absolutely. And we would rather wrestle with those things than wrestle with the major claims of the yeah. text that you belong to God and that you are in need of redemption. We're focusing on the minors and 
and ignoring the major, which is the question yeah. that God is asking us of, yeah. through the scriptures and that you we don't, be, we don't want to answer. Right. You could become an expert on where Seth's wives came from and absolutely miss the fact that God became flesh, walked among us and died for our sins. Right. And in fact, look at right. how, um, man, that's so good. Y'all don't even Bazinga. know that, that is so good. So, um, so even look at how our creeds are set up with this. Now the creeds aren't scripture, but they come out of scripture, and they hold and they are the they are the the pithy statements, theological statements of our foundations of who we are. But the Apostles' Creed: I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our that's Lord. That's it. That's it. That's, he's only known as, as like uh, yeah, like Creator. Cre- because that's it. I because, believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of the earth, who created in six days, and there were no dinosaurs. Yes. And so, dinosaurs. And, and so, <laughs> I like dinosaurs. Well, you know, Satan made the bones to oh, confuse no. us. Oh, no. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, Chris Pratt, Jurassic Park. So, <laughs> it's all plaster of Paris anyway. So, what are you going to do? Um, so, uh, but no, I mean, even the the, the ones that the people at our, our our spiritual fathers and mothers that, that as they were helping us um, kind of formulate or, or, or lay a foundation of a community of faith. And that's what really these, uh, these creeds are, are do for us, starting off with Jesus as Lord as the, the first kind of creedal statement out of the Christian church and then moving on. They're laying before us the, what I like to call the closed-hand foundational beliefs. We can't let go of these things. Mm-hmm. These, we cannot. So I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. God is the creator. He, he's the one that designed it. He's the one that spoke it into existence. This, this is who he is. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And as Alan was saying, it's about getting us from... to. G, I mean, Jesus is, becomes this... Uh, it, it, that's the narrative. The narrative of the biblical story is, the, is getting us to the Savior. And then what the Savior does in bringing us back into the good, the very good that was spoken about in in Genesis. So we get hung up in the weeds and Satan's in the corner laughing all the way. Ho, 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 ho. Why does he sound like Santa Claus? I don't, anyway. I don't know. <laughs> that was weird. That was, that was very take, weird. Jim. I'm sorry. I'm thinking well, I think here Saint Nicholas Santa Claus. Was... Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa. Bigfoot, Logness, uh Santa, Santa Claus, Claus, Satan. Satan. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're bringing out all the big hits today. <laughs> we're just trying to keep our people entertained. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, creation um, is a... The creation story, God creating, is a story, for me, about purpose. It's a story that says, okay, you know, there, you, have a, you have a reason for being here, Brett, and that sole reason is my image is stamped on you. Uh, that 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 you you've got there's um, you're not a mistake. For when when I read the creation story, that's that's what I hear. You know, when I me growing up with all the stuff I went through in my childhood, my self esteem, my self confidence, my the way I looked at myself, um, I struggled with that. Because you know when you're when you deal with the stuff I dealt with and the stuff that Jim dealt with. And the stuff that many of you probably listening have dealt with in your past, it's easy to believe that you're not loved and that there's no reason for you. You're just a, an accident. And you know it, it, that man that'll destroy you on the inside. But when we read scripture from the very beginning, God's saying, "I my image is stamped." That's what that literally means. Let us put our uh, create them in our image. Stamp that image on them. God, God doesn't just do. He doesn't do that. He didn't do that with the dolphins. He didn't do that with the giraffes. He it doesn't say that in that. But it says we grow to create them in our image. We're going to give them our image. We're we're fearfully and wonderfully made. As the mm-hmm. psalmist would say, there's purpose. And uh, can, I, I'll just say this in Philippians, Paul will talk about, uh, he'll say, you know, forgetting what was past and striving on, p- 
pushing on toward what lays ahead. Sometimes we need to turn our backs on where we've been because we're looking, if you're like me, I tend to look at my past as, and, 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 and just keep looking at it. And, but I'm not moving forward when I do that. I need to look towards Jesus because Jesus is the author and perfecter of the faith. And he says, come towards me. I, listen, I've, I've got a reason for you, man. Come on. Hmm. From the very beginning, I've got a reason for you. See, that's the worldview stuff that we're talking about here. Yeah, it shapes everything. It does. And so at some point, it may have sounded to some of you listening that we were pushing against what this catechism is teaching and right. against what people think uh, people read in the scripture. But what we're doing is loving on it and living in it. That's exactly right. Absolutely. And if I wanted anybody to hear anything, I'll try to make it as succinctly as possible, is that you were created, the world was created, that God who had the power to do that is the same God who can bring order today and the same God to trust for tomorrow. And you name one other thing in the world we live in, especially right now, that is that powerful and that constant, and you can't do it. And the third thing that I would want people to hear from, at least from me, is there is plenty of room for you. Even when we talk about creation, there's plenty of room for you to explore and be within the bounds of orthodox historical traditional faith. 100%. For me, a couple things. First Corinthians 14 tells us God is not a God of disorder. Ooh, boom. God is, so one that tells me uh, God is a Methodist. (laughs) (laughs) God is a Methodist. We're closing on that. There's a, there's a, there's a method uh, to, to what God does. Um, I, I, I jokingly, so it's in my joke, joke about that. Um, but, um, we see in creation, God orderly creates, but the takeaway for me is that God creates. Yes. God creates. Um, and you, you can describe that and talk about that in so many different ways within the bounds of science and so forth. But God is the one who created everything. He took He took nothing, um, and created everything. Um, and He did it, um, as our answer says, by the by the word of His power, uh, His powerful word. Um, and you know um, that's carried all the way through Jesus, who is Scripture says was there at the very beginning. It, Jesus is God. God is Jesus. Right. Um, and uh, and so. Um, for me, it's all it's all about God, and that's maybe a Sunday school answer, um, but it is what it is. No, it's not. It, let me just say that there's something to be said about that as a Sunday school answer, because the world in general, other worldviews say it's all about us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know what I do to, to other people and to myself all the time: fail, let things down, and bring chaos. That's right. That's and my right. natural self, you know what I'm saying. And so it matters that it's all about God. That's right. Alan, you're so good at I love preacher. that. So as we come to um, as we come to a close for this episode, I do want to uh, talk about this one piece here. That um, there's a rabbinic uh, rabbinic tradition that says that um, uh, the day one happened on a Sunday. Um, that God, when God said, "Let there be light," it was Sunday because the Sabbath, when God rested, is a Saturday, and that was day seven. And so that it happened on a Sunday. Now I want y'all to hear this. So we we've we've kind of been putting together kind of almost in a popcorn style tonight, I guess you could say, um, a, a kind of an argument here that there are uh, we don't want to get bogged down into the weeds of you know was it a literal six days or was it a, you know figurative or what's going on there. Just the fact that the matter is is that God it was up to something wonderful when He spoke it into creation. God continued that wonderful, even when we fell, God continued that wonderful work in speaking into the chaos of humanity that sin would bring about. And then the word of God would come down in Jesus Christ. And he would come and he would speak life and he would speak uh, redemption 
and he would speak salvation, and he would be sent to a cross because of that. Um, he would have the opportunity to, to, to say, you know, Father, if there's any other way for this to happen, then let it come, but, but your will be done. And he would bear our sins upon himself, and he would go to the cross, and he would die for us. And then three days later, on a Sunday, on a Sunday, there it is. The chaos would come to an end. Death would lose its victory. And Jesus would come walking out of the grave. The sun would rise. The S-O-N. Ooh. The sun would rise. Boom. And there would be heaven on earth. There would be heaven. There, the, crea- the, the new creation would be starting. Boom. There it is. And that new creation comes to its fulfillment when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes in his final victory at whatever time that is. And there will be no more tears. There will be no more death. There will be no more sea or chaos. There will be, there will be Eden, the way it was supposed to be, the way it's supposed to be, the way it was created to be. So I would just tell you this. I would say if day one happened on a Sunday... Jesus took that day, and he marked it for good when he walked out of the grave. And he did that so that we would have a relationship with him, that we would be who we were created to be. And if you want to know more about that, what it means to follow Jesus, how to have a relationship with him, as always, you can email us at questions at podakesis.com, questions at podakesis.com. Even if it's, hey, guys, I'm struggling, and I just need somebody to pray. We believe in the power of prayer. And we believe that the God who created the universe can also create order in the chaos of your life. And we want to pray for that. And we want to be there for you on that. Next time we get together, the next question we're going to be looking at is we're going to go a little bit deeper, a little bit more specific, I should say, in the creation story. And that is, we're going to look at how God created us. <laughs> how God created humanity. And so uh, we'll be doing that in a couple of weeks, and uh, that'll be episode 10. Have we almost got to 10 episodes? Hey. Oh my goodness gracious, that is un. Well, my mama told only, me we wouldn't make it past three. And we only got a hundred more to go. Oh, I know, go. right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it takes real commitment to keep going. This has been this has been uh, twenty or more weeks. Then, yeah, that's exactly right. It, it has been yeah. doing this, so yeah, we're committed, yeah. folks. Uh, yes. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much uh, for you know diving in. I hope it's been helpful for you so far. And we want to know how if. if can we be more helpful? We yeah. would love to. If, is there anything that's come up over the course of these past almost 10 episodes that you have a question about or you want to correct about? Yes. That's the kind of stuff that we're here for. We would love to do that. Yes. And you can you can communicate with us through our email, but also on Facebook at Podakesis, on Twitter at Podakesis. We're on Instagram. I really don't use Instagram personally that much, so I don't know what kind of communication happens on there. Because he's old. It's true. So And on um, DMs, YouTube. man. DMs. <laughs> and we're on YouTube. We're on YouTube, and so you can uh, comment there as well. Y'all keep your eyes peeled on social media in the next couple of weeks because we've got some special announcements we're going to be making about some future special we got to celebrate our 10th episode. That's exactly That's right. right. So uh, y'all be looking out for that. I think we've got something planned that might be pretty fun for, for y'all to join us with. Or at least for us. Or at least for <laughs> us. That's exactly right. But episode 10, we'll be talking about how God created humanity. And then we've got some other fun stuff coming your way. You can hit us up on social media. And I've already talked about that. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Podakesis. Our website, podakesis.com. And uh, tell your friends and tell your family they can find us wherever they listen to their favorite podcasts on Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere they listen, they can find us there. And I'm not going to make a big push for it this time, but I'll just say leave a five-star review, put a little comment there on iTunes. That does help us, and we appreciate it. And we did get an extra one last from last time, so thank you for number 20. We appreciate that. That was my mom. 
All right. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. No, I have no idea. So, um, uh, so thank you for that comment, and thank you for that uh, five-star review. Let us know, help us with that. That would be that would be great. We're so grateful for the Potikesis community, for you Potikumans that are out there. Thank you for all that you how you continue to support us and pass us along. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you and, and, and seeing what kind of comments you post. And we look forward to uh, uh, joining with you and uh, some special stuff coming up in the future. But in the meantime, until that time, until next week, until the, uh, not next week, I hope, I wish it was next week, but until two weeks from now when we'll come to you with episode 10, we hope and pray that you will have a great day. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Potikesis Podcast. Potikesis. Let's go find the Sasquatch. Mm-hmm.